Hey, everyone. Welcome to my show. I'm Tiffany Blackman, my so-called fabulous. Hey, hey, everyone. How's it going out there? I want to talk to you today something that's really, really special to myself, my husband, my family, and that is finding a cure for type 1 diabetes. And it is so important to us. And it's one of many philanthropies that we are very, very involved and passionate about and organizations. And um, we're going to talk to someone that has firsthand experience because she works with JDRF and she also is type one herself. So everyone welcome Courtney, Courtney Garvey. Hello, Tiffany. How are you? Great. I'm so happy to be here with you. I am so, so happy to be here with you. And I can't thank you enough for giving your time because this is a big, busy, busy time. It's April of 2021. Mm -hmm. And we, I know the time because a couple of years ago, we were getting ready, heavy duty ready for a gala. And that was the year before COVID, right? It was 2019. Yes, Yes. 2019. And now here we are, 2021. Mm -hmm. And we had a beautiful gala. Our goal was a million dollars. We almost hit it. We did. We almost hit it. We're so proud. But um, we are involved with JDRF. Greg, my husband, has been for many, many years. His son is type 1 diabetic and was diagnosed very, very young. Mm -hmm. And um, he and I both just want to find a cure, much like yourself. So tell us, first of all, your position Mm-hmm. because it's changed so much and we will hit into that. We'll get into that, but your position and then you are type one. Yes, okay. for sure. Well, first of all, thank you, Tiffany and Greg. You guys are such faithful supporters and that was a great year. 2019, it was the last year we had a physical in-person gala. You guys knocked it out in the park. So thank you so much. So welcome. Yeah, so my my uh, trajectory towards JDRF is, like you said, a very personable one. So when I was six years old, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And in addition to myself living with type 1, my older brother was diagnosed about a year before me. No. Yes. A year. Yes. How did I not know this? Yeah. So my only brother was diagnosed first, but my dad lived with the disease for decades. So my dad was diagnosed at age nine. Now, I don't want people to think that that's the normal because that can kind of sound jarring, right? Like, well, three-fourths of your family has type 1. But we do know that there is a genetic component to it. But again, that's my story. So when both of my parents, you know, had both of their kids diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, they said, okay, we've got to jump in. We've got to find something that gives us hope, something that gives us a resource and something that we can work towards. And they found JDRF. So we soon got involved and we went to the support groups and uh, we started with the walk. So we had a community walk where we raised money. I remember writing grandparents letters. Gosh, that was probably on a typewriter, Tiffany, like, you know, writing the letters to our grandparents and our aunts and uncles, just will you support this organization that's raising money for a cure? Right. So that was nothing like what it's amassed into now. Um, But that's how that's how I got involved with JDRF. And so now that's all come to fruition, right? Now that I'm in my 30s and living out my dream, but I am the market director for the JDRF Fort Worth market. Oh my. Yeah. Yes. So that looks a little different than what Big we've- job. <laughs> well, thanks. Yes. It's, yes. It is. But you know, the, the 
the pandemic, I know we'll touch on this some, but it's caused a lot of hardships for nonprofits and JDRF is no different. So we've done some reorg now. So I'm the market director for Fort Worth and we're part of a larger chapter footprint now. So while we used to have a JDRF Dallas and a JDRF Fort Worth, two separate chapters, we've now combined together and we are the JDRF North Texas and Oklahoma chapter. That's a mouthful, huh? It's a mouthful it's and a it's mouthful. a large area to cover. It's a large area to cover for sure. But what we've found out is that we've, we have to have those efficiencies, right? So mm-hmm. we, uh, unfortunately, JDRF had to furlough a lot of staff through the pandemic, which again is no different than so many other nonprofits. Um, but we've just found that greater efficiency and we're really relying on our wonderful volunteers mm-hmm. um, who are JDRF, right? Like no single person is JDRF. It's our volunteers, it's our researchers, it's our board of directors. It's, it's everyone that makes up this organization. That is amazing. I am going to take you back because I know everyone is really amazed. Uh-huh. Your dad. My dad. Type one. Type what one. age? He was diagnosed at age nine. So he was diagnosed, Tiffany, when blood glucose monitors didn't even exist. So you know how you you, you poke your finger and you get a, a reading on a machine? That didn't exist when he was diagnosed in the, gosh, in the 50s. So, so they just happened? had to guess at their blood sugar. They had these ketone strips or these gerund strips that they would they would go to the bathroom on, but then they wouldn't find out their blood sugar until hours later. So it was a huge guessing game. Insulin was not effective. I mean, it existed, of course. Insulin was actually created in 1921, but it was it was um, pig insulin. And so it wasn't smart. It didn't work effectively like the insulins we have nowadays. So it was just a big guessing game for him. And in the 80s, the 1980s, is when those, those finger pricking machines mm-hmm. came through to test your blood sugar. So... I'm just so grateful that, you know, we had my dad for so many years. He lived with the disease for over six decades. And unfortunately, he has passed away. But it was not from type 1 diabetes. I it mean, wasn't. He, no, he led a life pretty free of complications. And he is my hero. And he is he is why I do what I do. I mean, oh he, he's the reason. And your Absolutely. brother is older. Yes. So tell me, when was he diagnosed? So we were both diagnosed at age six. So he's about a year and a half older than me. But we were both diagnosed. So... My brother, uh, well, he presented the classic symptoms, which this this is so important to know the symptoms. They're not really symptoms, but more so the warning signs of type 1 diabetes. So he presented those, which are extreme thirst, frequent urination. Um, he was super lethargic. He lost weight. He had the, the blurred vision. These are all classic signs of type 1 diabetes. So my mom and dad were able to recognize that in him and then took him to the doctor. And sure enough, um, he had type 1. I, a year or so later, my mom recognized the symptoms so early on that, you know, she got me into the doctor before uh, before I had to be hospitalized or anything like that. So I really attribute that to my parents recognizing those those warning signs quickly. But again, our story is a little different because my dad had the disease, so we kind of knew what to look sure. for. But those that don't have any type 1 diabetes in their family, it's super important to know those those signs because it can look like anything else, right? You can say, oh, it's it's any other viral illness that's going on or, well, maybe it's the summertime and they're just drinking a lot more water. But mm-hmm. you really have to be diligent about knowing those those warning signs so that you can prevent any future um, 
horrible complications from from the disease. So you use the word warning signs, um, not symptoms, correct? So these are warning signs. And that that just, that is a light bulb in my head. Yeah. I think symptoms has this like immediate, like you have a, you have an illness right then and there, but type one, can, we can see it progress over several months. So it's not always such a sudden thing. It's, it's, does that make sense a little bit? Like it's mm-hmm. a little bit more expanded. Right. And we don't want to say symptoms because so many, you know, a cold has symptoms, right? And then you get over it. Well, you don't get over type 1 diabetes. Like once you're diagnosed, you keep that diagnosis. So we just call it sort of the um, the warning signs of the disease just just because it sometimes can present a little bit later. Sure, because um, I do know that that friends have asked my husband, mm-hmm. frequent urination, thirst yes. is huge, right? It's huge. Those are probably what I would say. Of course, I'm not a medical director, sure. but just from my experience, those two are the big ones. And I'm not saying just, you know, drink a glass of water and then a couple hours later, drink another glass. It's like this insatiable thirst because when your blood sugar is high, your body's just in this overdrive. And that's what diabetes is, right? Because with type 1, diabetes, it's an autoimmune disease. I guess I should back up a little bit. Type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disease. And what that does is it it's just basically your, your body attacking itself like any other autoimmune disease. So with type 1, that autoimmune attack happens and then it leaves the pancreas unable to produce insulin. So it attacks the insulin producing cells in the pancreas and then your pancreas just doesn't work. It doesn't replenish those cells. Um, so with type 1 diabetes, again, it's... Um, just just lost my train of thought right there. But yeah, but with type 1 diabetes, that autoimmune attack happens. And then we have to rely on injected insulin just for survival. So every day we have to inject insulin into our body. It regulates our blood sugar. So a normal person's body just is kind of, it works. Your pancreas works. You're, You're in this constant little line. But with type 1, you have high blood sugars that requires insulin to bring your blood sugar down. You have low blood sugars, which requires sugar into your body. So it's this constant, constant wavering. And we're always, well, what, what, what we say at JDRF is there's, there's no days off with type one diabetes. It's a 24 seven disease. Um, it takes no breaks. Right. Right. And let me ask you this question. Is this disease genetic, environmental, that's a really good question. Yeah, it's 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 a great question. Um, so type 1 diabetes does have a genetic component to it. So, of course, like in my story, right, there's yes. this tried and true genetic component. But there's also environmental factors. And it's something that we're continuing to research at JDRF to figure out what is that trigger. You know, a lot of diseases and especially autoimmune diseases start in the gut. So there's a lot of research going on with the gut bacteria and and if that plays a part in it as well. But again, we do know there's that genetic component, but there's also something else. There's also environmental triggers that happen that we spend, you know, JDRF uh, spends a lot of money in research to to figure out what that is. And there's no determining factor right now. There's not, because we know type 1 diabetes is not preventable. You cannot prevent it. It's not due to diet or lifestyle. So that's also, I think, a misconception because, you know, type 1 diabetes is the autoimmune. Type 2 diabetes is a metabolic disorder. So type 2 diabetes means your body is not properly using insulin. Your body still makes insulin. It's just not effectively and properly using it. So type 2 diabetes can usually be 
helped with diet, exercise, and also medication. But with type one diabetes, when your body stops, it's stopped producing those insulin. It's done. Yeah. So that's why we have to either inject ourselves with insulin or use an insulin pump like I use um, to get insulin into my body each and every day, every hour of the day, every hour of the day. Mm -hmm. So um, throughout your lifetime, when you were diagnosed, how did you start um, treating? Yeah. So again, I just kind of fell into the ranks with my brother. So I was watching what Andrew was doing. I immediately started on insulin. So an insulin therapy. So taking shots. Shots. Yes. So I took four shots a day because back at that time in the early nineties, insulin pumps like I have now were just becoming a thing. Mm -hmm. So they weren't smart and small and effective like they are now. So I took four shots a day of insulin. You administered. Uh, Well, Sort of. My my parents would help out. I was more scared. My brother sort of just, Whatever. he just did it, right? Yeah. Um, so I was scared at first. So I think it probably took me a good five or six months mm-hmm. to actually be able to give myself oh, my heavens. own shots. Because as a six-year-old, needles, they're kidding? scary. They're still scary, right? Oh. Um, so I'm 56 it, and still can't I, give myself a shot. It's, it's awful, right? It's and then to do it crazy. Four, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> then to do it four times a day. And that's not even the blood pressure, or not blood pressure, but the blood glucose machine. So you had to do that upwards of 10 times a day, prick your finger and then put, and that's painful, right? And we all know there's so many nerves and sensitive mm-hmm. areas in these fingers. So that's what it was like in the nineties. Yeah. So you had to prick your fingers. That was it, right? I mean, was there another body part that you could test your blood on? Not really. The fingers have the most, it's the best place for it. I I know sometimes people would use their forearm to test, but my doctor always said, use your, use your fingertips. That's the blessed, that's where you have the most blood and the Mm -hmm. most accurate results. Quick. And Mm -hmm. um, how often did you have to to check your blood? Oh gosh, Tiffany, anywhere from 10 to 12 times a day. And also you have to think about the nighttime. And I think that's the scariest thing for parents of of little kiddos with type one is the nighttime because you put them to bed and your blood sugar can do all sorts of things at night. And Mm -hmm. they really worry about those low blood sugars at night. So Mm -hmm. I I remember a 2 a.m. check would happen most of my childhood. My parents would come in there and check my blood sugar and be like, okay, she's okay. Her blood sugar is okay. She can go back to sleep. But if it was too low, I'd have to have a juice or, you know, a, not really a soda. I, our juice was our, our mechanism of choice to raise sure, blood sugar. So, sure. I mean, just I think about all the sleepless nights from my parents who had two kiddos Ugh. with type 1. And while we've come so far, and I know we'll talk about some of the technology, um, it's still a burden and it's still scary for those living with type 1 for their loved ones as well. I know. And you actually do, if I'm not mistaken, you actually work with people that are newly diagnosed we do. So right. yes. And that's that, just, it's right. It's kind of a heartbreak because you know what they're going through. You know what their family's going through. You know what it's becoming a new normal, which is just a hard phrase to say. But what's so wonderful about JDRF is we have a huge community engagement and outreach division. So we connect those that are newly diagnosed with people like myself or families that have lived with the disease for years so that they get that connection and that understanding. Um, We have so many programs out there to help with those first couple months and even years with a diagnosis. So I think that's important to know that you're not alone. Mm -hmm. Sometimes type one can feel so solitary. It can feel so just 
innately alone. And we're here to say, you don't have to go through this alone. It's time that we talk about it. You know, let your family know, let your coworkers, let your colleagues, let your, let your boss know, because they're going to be the one that can help you out if you're in a tough situation. Sure. Uh, but we also want to be that, that supplement, right? So we can provide you some different resources and um, just different mechanisms that can help your life with type one. Just be a little bit a little bit easier, right? Because that's what we're all looking for. You know, and those of you listening, this doesn't come free. I mean, this is, this is free to, to the people that are diagnosed and the families, Mm -hmm. but the fundraising and what I had explained and to to so many was where the money that we were trying to raise was going. Mm -hmm. And for you, for the, the research, which is number one, right. to cure this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I've i always said, you know, prior to me working at JDRF, but I knew they were the organization that was fighting for me. Like, I just felt it. They're the ones that are fighting for me, my brother and my dad, so that we never have to have a day of type 1 diabetes. And we're working hard to prevent it so that no other family has to go through that. And yes, research and um, research relating re- related funding is our mission. It's why we exist. We exist to raise the funds um, so that we can have all these amazing clinical trials. We have over 70 human clinical trials going on right now. Throughout our time, throughout our 50 years, we've raised over $2 billion for research and research-related education. So an investment in JDRF is an investment well spent. Roughly 80% of every dollar that is raised goes directly to that research, which is just phenomenal. And of course, it's it's where we've come. I mean, we've come so far in these 50 years, and we're on the precipice of some really, really amazing breakthroughs. And the, the pandemic put a little bit of oh. a damper in that. You know, we JDRF was headed into our best year yet, mm-hmm. raising the most money we had for research. And you know, that that put a little damp damper on it, but we're not done. We're mm-hmm. not done fighting. We're gonna keep um you know, raising awareness and raising funds for our mission. Yes. And we're going to tell you all how we can do that here in just a minute for sure. Greg talks about, and he, when he was speaking at the gala, um, he talks about the day um, of the diagnosis and that he'll never forget. But he also remembers who came in on a white shiny horse was JDRF because they were there to help him. And they didn't know. I mean, as a young couple, they didn't know. Um, So, he just said it's just he was he's been so dedicated to raising money yes. because mm-hmm. what do you do? I mean, think about it, people. Your your child is diagnosed. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about your child first. Your child is diagnosed. You have that feeling of what? Do I, I can't do, do I this. Where I can't do, I do t- this. Where do I turn? What What does this look like? What's my next day even look like? And something that's really cool. And I. I think that's great that you said that because something that's amazing that JDRF does is we give out for our newly diagnosed kiddos. We have this blue bag. It's called the JDRF bag of hope. And we give those out to newly diagnosed kiddos in in the hospital. And it has a little bear in it. The bear's name is Rufus. Rufus lives with diabetes. Um, So you get a bear, you get all these amazing resources and connection in this bag. You get, you know, your first, well, the hospital is going to give you a, a blood glucose monitor, but we give you one as well. There's so many great goodies in this bag. And I think that happened right after, I think JDRF came out with that right after I was myself and my brother were diagnosed, but (laughs) we love giving those out. And those kids just latch onto this bear because Rufus also has diabetes. Mm -hmm. So you get to practice, you know, testing his blood and giving him shots. And it's just an amazing resource for the kid, but also for the parents or guardians just to know that JDRF is here and 
even if you're not ready to reach out to us quite yet, here's the information. Here's what can help you in this transition. And when you're ready, we'd love to meet you and just tell you all that we have to offer. Absolutely. So, Courtney, tell us this just this disease is not just for kids. It's not. That carry that, on. That's a great point. Uh, so some people might be confused because JDRF stands for Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. So in 1970, when we were created, type one wasn't a phrase. It was just called juvenile diabetes because the majority of people are diagnosed before they're 13 years of, of age. So it became a a juvenile disease, but we know that that's not the case, right? 85% of people living with type 1 diabetes right now are, 85% are, are adults. So it's not a children's disease. And what we've seen is that while, yes, the majority of people are diagnosed before the age of 13, people in their teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, even 60s are diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. So it goes back to that autoimmune. When your body stops doing something, it stops doing something. Right. Um, so it's not a childhood disease and you don't grow out of it. You know, I, here I am as a 35-year-old still living with this disease that I lived with when I was diagnosed at age six. So we have a, a plethora of resources for all ages and stages of type 1 diabetes. So we have resources for teens. We have resources for college age, for those entering the workforce, for mom, you know, expectant mothers with type 1 diabetes. So I think that's really the cool part about JDRF is we've got something for everyone and each stage is a little different in life with type 1 diabetes and you have to grow and morph with that stage. But again, um, we exist to help everyone living with this disease. So I, at 56, can be diagnosed. Absolutely. I will tell you right now that we have some board members on our board who were diagnosed you know, even under their sixties. Now that's not, that's not, not super com common, common, but right. again, um, it, it does happen. It mm -hmm. does happen for sure. Because it's autoimmune. It's autoimmune. Man, yeah. It just, it, I mean, it's, it's just amazing. We have a friend that was diagnosed at 42 yeah. and, um, you know, of your faculties, you're, you're educated, you know, you know, but it still was like a, whoa, what happened? Yeah. How did this happen? How did it happen? Well, and I think that's a good point too, because a lot of times, adults who present with those those or those warning signs that we were talking about are misdiagnosed as type 2, right? So they're put on medication mm -hmm. or they're said, you know, just watch your diet, exercise, all of that thing. But um, it's really important if you do feel like, you know, you're not getting better with that medication. Like if you are, if they do tell you you have type 2, it's worth just investigating, especially if you have a family history of type 1, because um, we've seen that as well. We've seen adults that present uh, these warning signs are diagnosed as type 2, and they're just not getting better. They're continuing to lose weight. They're continuing to be lethargic and, the you know, all those things that we talked about. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a huge... I would say misconception too, is that just because you're older does not mean it's type two diabetes. Not at all. Mm -hmm. And it is when, when we were, we were, um, we were hands-on with you guys. It was, um, wait, just kids get this, right? No, no, no. And the, you know, in the, in the JDRF, that, that makes sense explaining the name, the and, name. And, and when, it, you know, 50 years, right. That wasn't, that wasn't what the thought process was, but yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. So, so, when you just said something, so if you're diagnosed or with type two, how do you know? How does a person know? Is it a blood test? Yeah, good question. So there is an antibody test. So with type one diabetes, there's an actual blood test that checks for markers or antibodies. And if you have those antibodies, 
that signals that it's type 1 diabetes. So, you know, that's not generally done in adults, I don't think. Again, not a medical doctor, could be wrong, but um, that's not typically their first line of response. I think the first line is, well, this is probably type 2 because you're older, but there is an autoantibody test. And actually, the cool thing is JDRF has this test available. Oh my gosh, this is groundbreaking. Why have I not mentioned what? this? Yes, it's called T1 Detect. So T1 D-E-T-E-C-T. Mm-hmm. And anyone at any age can get this test. It's a relatively inexpensive test. You can just Google that term and it'll pop up. And also for those um, that may need help with paying for that, there's also scholarship available. Right. But this is an at-home test that will test for the antibodies for type 1 diabetes. So you do your little blood test at home. You, you put your little blood on the markers and you send that in. And then you're you're alerted of your results. Wow. Yeah. So oh it's really for anyone. It's at any age, any any life cycle can test for the antibodies for right. type, type 1. It's huge. And JDRF funded that. Funded it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. That's yeah. amazing. So just think my mom could have had that. You know, when, when my brother presented with mm-hmm. his symptoms, she could have just had that there for me and, and known even sooner that uh, the likelihood of me developing type 1 diabetes was quite high. So how would someone get this test? Just reach out to yeah, you reach out to me, or if you if you just put that into your Google search T one detect, mm-hmm. you'll you'll see it'll be the first thing that pops up. So that you, you have to put in some information, um, but then that test is shipped directly to your home, and you ship it directly back. Oh my gosh, it's huge, right? It's huge. It's huge, and it's free. And it's yeah, there's definitely. Um, it's definitely come so far that we even have something like this to be able to do in the comfort of your own home. I know. Not a doctor's office, right? There was, there was something in, in you immediately, your, 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 your eyes were wide open mm-hmm. before the show today. My doctor detected ANA, is mm-hmm. it ANA marker or AHA? I can't remember. Yeah. See, I'm not a but, doctor no, at all. I, I believe it's the ANA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ANA. Mm-hmm. So, and it came back positive and then she sent me to an immunologist. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Two. Yeah. So sent me and yes, came back positive, and then they tested me for several autoimmune. Mm-hmm. He said it's just barely there, and yeah. then lo and behold, psoriasis, and you went, "Hey, that's, that's an auto- autoimmune. That's yeah. autoimmune." And he did. He immediately went, "You, because I'm itching," and he he he, right. he said, "You have psoriasis on your scalp," and there you go. The, the mark autoimmune. Yep. So you know, tested for lupus, so on and so forth, and 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 I. It, praise the Lord, but yeah, autoimmune. And you're just, I just remember eyes wide open yeah. thinking, guess what? 56. You know right. I, mean? I know. I know. And this is not to scare anyone by any means, but sometimes when you have one autoimmune disease, <clears throat> two can exist. So especially with type one diabetes, you see a lot of type one diabetics that have celiac as well. So those kind of go hand in hand. Does not, I've been tested for celiac. Mm-hmm. I do not have the markers, uh, but a lot of times I'll see that with our with our, our little kiddos who have type one, that they also present celiac. So where there is one, sometimes there can be two. Um, so that's just something that we also are studying at JDRF, like the the prevalence of autoimmune diseases. And, you know, there's over 80 autoimmune diseases and JDRF is going to be the first to cure an autoimmune disease because none of them have been cured, but we know that we're going to be the first. Um, oh, absolutely. To cure You're not going to have a job, disease. sister. I know. I can't wait till I don't have a job, <laughs> Tiffany. <laughs> I know. I can't wait because that means a life free of this burden. And for so many of my friends and my family and all of my colleagues who I've met who have you know connections to type one, it means that we don't have that 
daily scary burden anymore. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait for that day. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And it's because of people like you. And it's because of people out there who generously give and really um, feed into our mission. Mm -hmm. You know, our mission is to cure type 1 diabetes and its complications. And we're not going to stop until until we get there. Absolutely. It's so close. So So close. close. I know it's so close, of Mm -hmm. course. Okay. So let me ask you this. Are you afraid? Are you afraid if you had a child? Oh, that's a great question. Yes. I'm so sorry to no, ask that. No, it's it needs to be asked. I, I am. I, um, you know, my husband and I have been married for three years and we weren't ready to start kids right away. We kind of wanted to, you know, wait a little bit, enjoyed burying life, but it's definitely been a conversation that we've had more so in the last year. And the first thing I always say to my doctor is, well, I'm type one. I, I just... I'm putting it out there. I have type one diabetes and I have for, you know, nearly 30 years and it's not a barrier anymore. Now, back in the day mm-hmm. when women who had type one would get pregnant, it was basically like, A, don't, don't do that. And B, oh, they're going to have all these complications. But we've come so far in terms of um, how we manage the disease that women all the time are having healthy, normal pregnancies. So it is something that I consider with, you know, Brian, like, well... You know, what are the odds? But I don't want to go down that path. I just, if we mm-hmm. do decide to have children, sure. I, I'm that that's always back there. But now that we have this T1D detect thing, mm-hmm. you know, like we can we can check that. We can know earlier on. Right. Um, so it's never really been a barrier to me, but I know it has been to mm-hmm. to some women. Well, I, I say it's not a barrier. Yes, I for sure thought about it and you know labored over it. And it what if what if what if what if what if but. Sure. I do know friends that have, you know, that have type one and none of their kids have type one diabetes. And I have a friend who just had a daughter diagnosed. So, but it doesn't take away from the joy of that child. And then they know how to, right. How to control it and how to manage it as much as it can be. Sure. Um, But yeah, that's definitely something that is a a personal decision to people with type one. And I think it's probably always there a little bit in the, in the background of of your mind, because there is that, like we talked about earlier, there is that that genetic component. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't mm-hmm. that something? I mean, the genetics is, yeah. It's, genetics it's is troubling. a funny thing. It's a really, really funny thing. I know. I had um, <laughs> Dr. Robert, Robin Carson on last week with, uh, she's an audiologist and I, I have um, hearing loss. Thank you, dad. Mm-hmm. Thank you, my grandfather. Okay. I mean, so genetic. I'm serious. it's genetic. Yeah. 1000 and environmental, but yeah. it's troubling. What is genetic? What is, you know what yeah. I'm saying? I know it is. And so you just have to, you know, think through this and take care of yourself. Yeah. So tell me about the people that are, if they go untreated, mm-hmm. especially with so much, touch, so much technology, and I do want to hit on that, but yeah. what's going on if you're not treating correctly? Oh, you have to manage this disease as best you can, because we know it's, it, sometimes it feels like this crazy balancing act that you'll never get right. Um, but taking the most optimal care of your diabetes, whether type one or type two is is of the most important. So those that don't, you know, take care of themselves run higher risk of complications. So that's heart disease, that's vision loss, um, just to name a few, that's kidney issues. So really you have to manage this disease and there's too much technology out there. Like we're going to talk about for you not to take care of, to take care of it the best you can. Now, does that mean that your blood sugar is never going to go high? No, I dealt with a high blood sugar earlier today, but I was on top of it. I was getting it down to an active range. So the problem happens when you stay high for so long or you stay low for so long. Those are 
those are the scary parts, right? So we know that with type 1 diabetes, there's a huge mental aspect of it. And some people just find that the hardest part to get through is the mental block of, I have this Mm -hmm. forever disease, but you've got to take hold of it. And Mm. JDRF has so many resources to help with the mental aspect. So, you know, when I was diagnosed, mental health wasn't even that big of a thing. It wasn't, it Mm -hmm. was just kind of, let's sweep it under the rug and buck up and you're fine, you know? And so now we know that's not the case. We know that we're talking about it and we're um, confiding in friends and therapists and all those wonderful people who are here to help us. Um, So that is a huge aspect of JDRF as well is the mental aspect. So we have resources to help with that. Again, build your community. You've got to let people know you have this disease and you've got to build people around you that, that care about you. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And there's no reason not to be treated. There's no reason. You're only doing a disservice to yourself. And again, if we know that the cost of supplies is mm-hmm. is so high, and that's something that JDRF advocates to our members of Congress, like you've, we've got to get this price of insulin lowered. We have to have this affordable for everyone. So cost should never be a barrier because there's a plethora of websites that can help with that. If someone is in need of insulin, getinsulin.org is a great partner of JDRFs where you can get insulin. So that never needs to be a barrier. You've you've got to break down those mental blocks and say, I've got to take hold of this. I've got to be in control of this because no one else can do that for you. You mm-hmm. have to, you have to really do it yourself. You know, I, I had the choice, not as a kid, but as a grown up um, to really take hold of that. And I did because I knew that you know, no one can take care of me like I can take care of me. And I've got to grab this by the horns and just do the best I can because there's going to be those tough days. Inevitably, there's going to be those high blood sugar days, those blood blood sugar days, those day I, days I want to throw something across the room, like my insulin pump. I mean, it, it just, it happens. Mm-hmm. But building that community around me and knowing that I didn't do anything to get this disease, but I'm going to do the best that I can while living with it. And I'm going to thrive with it. Yes. You are. I know. Mm-hmm. And you do. I mean, I got a little emotional there. I know. You do. I've watched you. Um, I mean, the insulin and the cost, I, I've seen that quite a bit. And it's a thing. It's, it's, I mean, and are there are there children going without insulin? It's a thing. So there shouldn't be based on, you know, the, uh, well, I say that, that's a very broad statement. Um, but there are ways to access insulin. There's always um, resources from the insulin companies themselves um, for scholarships and things like that. There's that getinsulin.org website, but no one should ever go without insulin. You can't ration your insulin. You can't, because again, this is the hormone that's needed for survival. So if we do find out about that at JDRF, while we're not able to physically give out the insulin, we will get you in connection with someone that can help and always reach out to your provider um, who's who's going to do everything they can to also get that in your into your hands. But we know that cost is such a huge barrier, and it's it's why we advocate. You know, JDRF has a huge advocacy program that anyone can join. Anyone can be an advocate, and you can talk to your members of Congress. And we we make it so easy for you to send letters and to say this is why this is how many people live with type one diabetes. This is how many people are rationing their insulin, and this can't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's a huge mission and focal point of, of JDRF as well to to get that insulin cost lower and lower and lower to where it's it's a f- affordable because mm-hmm. it's it's what the 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 um one of the most what am I trying to say it's, for liquid it's one of the most expensive liquids in the world mm. and Mm-mm. it just shouldn't be it, shouldn't it just be. absolutely shouldn't be isn't that amazing mm-hmm. I mean gosh what is the percentage or the numbers of people that are 
Type 1. Yeah, good question. So we approximate that 1.6 million people in America live with type 1 diabetes. In America. In America live with type 1 diabetes. And again, 80% of those are adults. And we project by 2020 that that could possibly be over 5 million. So we don't want that number to increase. We work so hard to to figure out how to prevent this disease um, so that no one ever has to know it. But yeah, 1.6 million Americans Mm-mm. live with a disease, li- live with type 1. And I don't like the, the, the number just... I, it's jarring, right? Oh it's jarring. We can't let it get there. We have to do everything in our power now, now. Um, to continue to fund these clinical trials and this research that is so promising and will change lives. We've just got to get there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So tell me about where we are with technology. You have, and mm-hmm. say it because I don't want to okay. disrespect the name at all. <laughs> yeah. The hybrid closed pump device. I do. Is this state of the art? This is state of the art, Tiffany. So I am on the Tandem T-Slim pump, um, which Tandem is just such a great product. But there's other products out there. Medtronic and Omnipod are just some to name, just to name a few. But I'm on the Tandem pump. So it's kind of a weird terminology, but it's called a hybrid closed loop system. So what that means is... I have this insulin pump that gives me insulin throughout the day. And I have this thing called a CGM, which is a continuous glucose monitor. So remember how we were talking about the checking your blood sugar 10 to 12 times a day? I don't have to do that anymore because I have the CGM, which is called the brand name is a Dexcom, that every five minutes gives me a blood sugar reading. Wait, wait, stop, stop, stop. Yes. Okay. You don't have to prick your finger. I don't prick my finger. Every now and then, just to make sure my CGM is functioning as it should. I don't prick my finger. My fingers have never been more happy in their entire life. And this is all because of JDRF. So I have this device, the CGM, that every five minutes shoots me out of blood sugar. Not only that, but it tells me arrows. So it tells me if I'm staying steady. It tells me if my blood sugar is rising quickly. It tells me if my blood sugar is falling quickly. So then I'm able to adjust and make those adjustments before my blood sugar gets too high or gets too low. So it's incredible. So the CGM then talks talks virtually Mm -hmm. to my pump. So then that number shows up on my pump, my insulin pump. And then my pump, if it sees that I'm going too low, will suspend insulin. And if it sees that I'm going too high, will give me a little boost of insulin to bring my blood sugar back to range. Now, the reason it's called a hybrid closed loop is that we're not fully there to a functioning artificial pancreas because we can't put glucose Glucose is what raises your blood sugar. We haven't figured out how to put that, not we haven't figured out, we're working on it, how to keep that glucose safe. So once we have that piece that goes into the pump, mm-hmm. it will be a closed loop system. So that doesn't mean hands off. That doesn't mean like, okay, one and done, we're all good. There's still monitoring that happens, but it takes a little bit of the thought process out of our daily decisions that we have to make. So yes, this insulin pump that I have right now We'll show my blood sugar on there and we'll make adjustments throughout the day for me. Okay. I'm going to ask, I'm going to embarrass myself. How is this pump? How is, is it like a, how is it on you? It did you just. Oh my God. No, that's a great question. I mean, that's just, not embarrassing at all. Oh my <laughs> gosh. No, that's a really good question. In fact, this, that reminds me, I was with my hairdresser a couple of weeks ago, a new hairdresser and, um, she was asking me all these wonderful questions and she said, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, don't apologize. Like we want to get the, the great questions, right? And we're educating. Yeah. So my insulin pump has about a foot long tube. 
so it has a tube that I then, and okay, this is kind of the weird part, but you do have to inject it into your, into your stomach. So you inject this pump into the little tubing into your stomach. You then pull out the needle and it leaves like a little catheter in your stomach. That was the word. Yeah. So it leaves like a little thin plastic catheter inside my stomach that then, um, the, the insulin runs through that tube into my stomach. So I change that out every three days. You want to change it out because the insulin can't stay longer than three days. Plus you want to move it around so you don't get any scar tissue. Mm. So yeah, it has this little device to so the pump itself, which is where I, you know, can do all my calculations and all that. Then that tube runs into my stomach. You keep reaching to your hip. Yeah, it's, my, it? it's right there. Okay. Okay. So this is my pump. Yeah, so looks it like a this, little tiny, tiny phone. It looks, and it's it's so cool. And as cool as you a device it, can be, you? I exactly. do. It's just what what we have now that I didn't have. I'm yes. taking it in my hand. So you'll even here, let me loosen it a little bit. But you can see my blood sugar on there. What does it say? It says. Oh, I'm 90. That's a good blood sugar, Tiffany. Where should you be? <laughs> I'm, really, here. I'm really proud of that. <laughs> so, so what should your blood sugar so say? So normal blood sugar range is anywhere from 80 to 120. Uh-oh. Oh, see, you just press that little. It went asleep. On yeah, this. see? And you can see the little graph of where I've been throughout the day. And the red line right there means it projected I, my blood sugar was going low. So it suspended giving me any sort of insulin. Did you do anything to make it go low or high? I didn't, that's a good question. I What did you do? What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? <laughs> that's always what we're trying to figure out. Did I eat too much? Did I not eat enough? Sure. Um, sometimes it just happened. So maybe the grapes that I had earlier, I gave myself too much insulin to cover it. And that's oh. why it was going a little bit low. Um, so it's just these, these microcosms throughout the day that can just create these things. Sometimes, you know. Oh, I forgot to do that. Oh, I forgot to give myself insulin for that meal. Or, oh gosh, you know, I, I'm i too high because I had that cookie. But some other, other times, there's you just don't know. Don't know. It's just your body and how it reacts. And so does diet have... It does have something to do with, with your sugar. Yeah, for I mean, sure. That's a crazy question too. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So while diet and lifestyle has nothing to do with getting type 1 diabetes, it's really important for those living with, with the disease to maintain a healthy a healthy lifestyle, you know, exercise and eating right, because that's going to help your blood sugars, right? That's going to always help you stay better in range. Because if you're, you know, eating all that food that's bad for you, that's inevi- inevitably going to raise your blood sugar and keep you at a high state. So being active and um, eating healthy is is good for everyone, everyone, but especially good for those living with you know type one and type two diabetes. Mm-hmm. Right. So what you have is state of the art. I mean, this is it's state of the art. Yeah. It wasn't around when I was diagnosed by any stretch of the means. So is there something that is the next level? So the next level, which is what we're working on is um, just having that full closed loop system, which would mean this essentially when my blood sugar is low can give me that little boost of glucose. Um, so it that that's the next level. But next level on top of that is, is our cure focus. So that's um, well, what we know to cure type 1 diabetes. It's two things. It's stopping the destruction 
of the, those beta cells. So stopping the destruction, the autoimmune attack that destroys those beta cells. And then the second part is replacement. How do we replace those lost beta cells? So a huge focus of JDRF is this is this area right, right here is beta cell um, encapsulation and replacement. So we're working on all sorts of things that are in clinical trials right now, whether that looks like a little device that is implanted under the skin that... Um, allows the good cells out and not the bad ones in. It, it gets a little technical there, mm -hmm. but it's called encapsulation. And this could be a device that, you know, proves that we could have insulin independence for up to a couple years. So scientists are working hard on this. Um, we're working on smart insulin, so making insulin better, faster, safer, smarter. Um, but the biological cure that we all want is what's being um, researched right now in the labs. Where and, there's no pump. There's, there's, yeah, no. where there's no sort of external device. External device. Right. That's what I, that's what I needed you to say because I can't think of the right external word. Device. I couldn't think yeah. of it. And I will say, you know, going back a little bit on my pump, there is actually a pump that's tubeless. So it's called the Omnipod system. And it's a pump that, uh, you know, lots of kids like because they're active, but it doesn't have a tube. It just goes straight on your body and you, um, you control it from a little separate device. Mm -hmm. So that is an option as well if people don't like the tubes. Right. But that's the cool thing is we have choice. Mm -hmm. We have choice for how we want to manage this. Right. Um, you know, back when, of course, when my dad was diagnosed, but even when we were diagnosed, there wasn't really choice. No. It was like a standard protocol and everyone had to do the same thing. And, and now we have those options to wear different devices. And, mm -hmm. you know, people still give themselves shots and that's totally okay. Um, but that's also an option as well. You know, we, we just have the chance to switch it up. And making sure I understand, you do not have to give yourself a shot. I do injection not give myself a shot. Because you have this device. I have this insulin pump. So talk to me a little bit about the cost of, of, a, of a device like this. Yes. So these devices do prove costly, but they are covered by most insurance wow. companies. Mm -hmm. <gasps> Yeah. Again, it costs, we don't want that to be a barrier. Mm -mm. So if someone is interested in these devices, they first need to reach out to their, their medical, their doctor, um, their medical team and see, you know, what insurance can cover for that. Because again, it's different with different um, insurances, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but that's another thing that we, we don't want to be inhibited. We don't want, we, we go to these companies and say, how do, how can we make this more affordable for everyone? Exactly. It's I mean, important. It's, like, it's huge. We've got to get these in people's hands because what good are they doing if we can't give them to the people that need it the most? I know. And to provide information for yet more research. Mm -hmm. Correct. Right. I, know, right. I know. You know, and um, I have had people ask me before, um, can my child participate in sports? Can my child, can I, I mean, do I have to homeschool? I mean, just yeah. because, yes, that is a valid question. And the answer is, yes, they can. Yes. How they many quarterbacks be... and how many right. running backs have you seen in oh tennis? Oh, my gosh. Play? Sammy Miochi. Yes. Yes. My Kennedy's, uh -huh. you know, their group at TCU. Love you, Sammy. She's type one. And yes. she played, what did she play? Uh, lacrosse. Yes. Right? Yes. 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 You can do, that's a thing. You can do anything with type 1 diabetes. Are you going to have to take more breaks and check your blood sugar? Absolutely. But we have athletes, we have Congress people, we have um, even, oh, this is a good segue maybe into the gala, but we're honoring people this year at our gala who have broken barriers, broken type 1 diabetes barriers. So we have athletes, we have um, 
NASA scientists, you can do anything with type one diabetes. It, it, is it going to you know, cause you a little bit of stepping aside and taking care of a higher low blood sugar? Absolutely. But you learn those routines and you learn how to manage it and you learn what your body needs. Like if your body needs a snack before or a snack after, um, that's what you do. But we don't ever want people to think that they need to limit their children or their loved ones from achieving their dreams or doing whatever they were called to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, that's more about education too. Right. I mean, hopefully this podcast is educating people as well. Okay. okay. Gala is on its way. It's oh April. Gosh. Oh my gosh. April you, 24th. April 24th here in just a couple of weeks. Just and couple you, weeks. You, you, it's so cute. She sent me her notes and she said, Gala, eek. <laughs> People. Oh Oh my gosh. So what it looks like is what? Okay. So COVID. Hello. Hello, COVID. So we have had to pivot like most other people. And our event this year is completely virtual, which is just what we have to do in the best interest of our of our folks, and especially because we're a health organization. So it's completely virtual, but that doesn't mean it's not going to be fun. We are bringing the gala to you. So we're bringing the gala to your home. We have dinner packages available and we have fun little party boxes that you can decorate your house with. Um, We're going to have a silent and a live auction. This live auction, Tiffany, is going to be over the top. I mean, just amazing. We have a raffle for your chance to win $10,000. We're going to be honoring, like I just said, um, those those people who have broken barriers for type 1 diabetes. So our honoree is actually, um, was, a, was a pilot, was a Navy pilot. And he was told that he couldn't fly with type 1 diabetes. But as we know now, you can. You can be a commercial airline pilot with type 1 diabetes. So what's changed for Fred, our honoree, um, now has opened up the door for so many people living with type 1 diabetes. So we're honoring those people. We're honoring 50 years of research. Um, it's going to be quite amazing. And this is perhaps the coolest part. Well, it's all going to be cool. Um, it's all going to be inspiring and full of hope and joy. And um, we got to keep pressing on. But Kenny Loggins. I know. <laughs> Kenny Loggins. I mean, like the kidding. Yeah. Like this is danger it? zone. Yes. This is it. Kenny Loggins will be doing an exclusive concert for us. I so can't believe it when I've read that. We've got to get people eyes on this program because while it's virtual and we know that's nothing like an in-person event, it's just not, but we are making the best of it. And we are going to bring you an over the top program that will make you laugh. It'll make you cry. It's just going to, um, it's going to be real real inspiring. And I mean, Kenny Loggins, come on. I, okay. Now does Kenny, Kenny Loggins, does Kenny have a, an, a, 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 what does he have, have a, connection? a connection? He has a connection through his manager. Okay. Um, so his manager has, has a type one connection. Okay. So he's just, you know, fallen in love with the cause and knows that JDRF is just the organization that's, that's, that's doing the most good. So it's going to be amazing. There's still tickets and sponsorships and tables available. You can check that out. Well, should I give you the website? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, it's, go ahead and go, let's, get get, okay. let's prep this. Yeah. Okay. So it's jdrf.org forward slash. Yeah. I know this is where it gets tricky. Forward slash North Texas, Oklahoma. So that's all spelled out. So North Texas, Oklahoma. That's our chapter website. And then once you're on there, you'll be able to click for the gala. There's information about the gala on there. Okay. So. When, when in 2019, when Greg and I were mm-hmm. doing the gala, um, that was just Fort Worth. It was just Fort now, Worth. Now, this is a lot of people, right? Yes. 
right? Yes, absolutely. So this is the JDRF Fort Worth and JDRF Dallas community coming together. So for the first time ever, we're hosting a joint event, which we think is pretty enticing, right? Like if people own companies or want to get their name out there, you're now in front of the entire DFW area. So yes, due to COVID, um, we've now become this one chapter called the JDRF North Texas and Oklahoma chapter. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have all of Oklahoma, we have all of Fort Worth and all of Dallas in this one conglomerate awesome chapter. Mm -hmm. But we still have our focus here in Fort Worth and we still have our focus in Dallas and we still have our focus focus in Oklahoma. But for this event, we thought, you know, let's just make it one amazing virtual event for the entire North Texas community. So it's going to be amazing. We've got a great lineup of speakers and our cute little ambassador kids are going to be, they're going to be pulling out those heartstrings and Mm -hmm. saying, you know, help, help find a cure for me. So it's, we're still working on it, but it's shaping up to be just a phenomenal event. And it's so much work. And, you know, I mean, it's so much work having a live event, but I'm finding too, with different organizations, a virtual event is, we just don't know. It's unchartered, right? Like we've never done this before. And so we're really relying on people that can help us, you know, bring it to life and make it again, just make it as, as impactful as possible. Mm -hmm. We can't wait to get back in person, right? We cannot wait for that event or for that day, but we know in the meantime, we've still got to be diligent and we've got to use funds wisely and we've got to raise, raise money to kick to kick diabetes to the curb. So is there a is there a monetary goal this year? We are hoping for 1.5 million between mm-hmm. the two chapters. We've got a ways to go, but of course we are pounding the pavement and you know just trying to let people know that anyone can attend this. That's the beauty of it this year, right? You can sit on your couch your with your pajamas. spouse yeah. if you want and watch and you know to to give as you feel as you feel as as you see fit. Um so yeah, hoping to raise 1.5 million for research. Um, we're inching away at that. And of course, always need sponsors who want to get their name out there and be part of a, a great cause. Absolutely. I mean, and, and, and we have, we have, you've all seen that this and heard that it's a great cause. Mm-hmm. So, and it doesn't matter what you give. If you do a raffle, whatever you do, if you do the table or if you're a massive sponsor, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It all goes towards our cause. And we need we need donors of all levels, you know. I mean, I, I, that's just how it is, right? We need people to get, to feel inspired, to come watch this event and then join us on our journey. Join us on our journey, um, whether that's you plugging in, you know, you watch this event and you become an advocate or you become a, a volunteer for our organization. I mean, we, we need you in whatever capacity you are able to do and able to give. Now, the run, that's in October. Oh, yeah. So our walk is walk. historically in October of each year. Of course, last year we had to pivot and go virtual. We're not quite sure what this year looks like. Um, so we're not making any announcements about that yet. But either way, we're going to have some sort of event in October, right? You know, whether that's a hybrid event, we're not quite sure yet. Mm-hmm. We're still trying to, you know, monitor the situation sure. and, with a vaccine. Yeah. And- with a vaccine. And of course we're a health organization. So we have to put our, well, we know to put our, our community at, at the forefront of our, everything that we do. So yeah, the walk is so fun. That's actually, like I told you how we got involved with JDRF mm-hmm. was the walk. And I love the walk. I love the gala. I love everything we do, but you know, the, the events, the gala and the walk are just some of my favorite. Well, and you're so passionate about it. I see it in your eyes. And, you know, once you don't have a job, you're going to, we're going to find something for you to do. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. oh, <laughs> I know we're going to, yes. we're going to do this. We're going to do it. And I cannot wait for that day no, you that can't. I don't have to 
you know, live know. with this. Okay. Mm-hmm. The gala, one more time. Yes. The date is? Saturday, April 24th. Time? Time. We start our pre-show at 5.30 p.m. Central Time. Um, I think Kenny goes on at 7. So you got to watch the program no for Kenny. No joke. Yeah. So the, the actual program starts at 6, pre-show at 5.30. Um, and Kenny will go on about 7. About 7 o'clock. Yeah. Right. So you're out. I mean, you're done, right? And you still have your Saturday night to oh, gosh. do whatever you want to do. So It's so fabulous. I mean, and just, you know, you get to dress up and you get the, the glamour of being in live. And, but this is, this is not that, what it's about. It's not what it's about. And I think that's what we're, we're really trying to, you know, get out there is that at the end of the day, it's about, it's about raising mission focused dollars for a cure. 1000%. And you mm-hmm. all can do this and you can help us. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being here because this is information that is critical. Thank you, Tiffany. I agree. Thanks for having me. And oh, let's yeah. go get them. Yes, we have to. <laughs> okay, we can find you on Instagram at C E Garvey, G A R V E Y. That is your personal Instagram, and you can see all the fun things she do to, that you do. Now, tell us your the the chapter Instagram. Yes, the chapter is at J D R F N T X. Okay. Yee. <laughs> yeah. That's so a lot. So it stands for North Texas, Oklahoma. So that's our chapter, face, uh, Instagram and Facebook. Sure. And we post all sorts of fun things on there. Yeah. And, and, and of course you are, you have your website and we talked about that earlier. So yes. you all have that. Mm-hmm. And this 50th anniversary gala, cannot wait, April 24th, we're going to be there. Okay. And we're going to raise some money. And you know what? I am so proud of you and I admire you more than you'll ever know. Oh, I mean, it just that means everything. Well, because thank I you. admire you. So. Oh, you're sweet. Well, yeah, there we go. All right, everybody. So thank you so much for listening and learning and opening your hearts to this amazing organization that is just helping someone. You may not have it in your family yet, but you know someone and you can help. And everyone, please follow, rate, and review. Let us know what you'd like to hear. Follow me on Instagram at Tiffany C. Blackman. And you're going to see more about this for sure, the gala. And everyone, have a wonderful, safe, healthy day and keeping fabulous. Bye.